All right. Well, today we're going to be in John chapter 21. As we continue uh, through the book of John, and today it's kind of cool, we actually finish it. And today we're going to see how um, not only is God seen in his resurrection, but we're also going to see how the Lord just manifests himself in restoration. And so we're going to see, first of all, fishing for purpose. And that is when the guys go and they try to find out what life's all about. They're going to go back to their old ways. But then we're going to see how Jesus goes fishing for Peter. And how the Bible says um, the Lord will leave the 99 and go after the one. You know, maybe you're here today and you strayed away from God. Um, the Lord is so amazing, man. He doesn't give up on us. I mean, I would have given up on a lot of people. And I think if I were God, I would have given up on me. But he doesn't give up on us. He goes after you because he loves you. That's God's love. And so we go fishing for purpose in the world, in the ocean that we live in. We're not going to find it. But then Jesus goes fishing for Peter. And then at the end of the book, we're going to see really the whole reason this book is here, the Gospel of John, is because, you know, the, the, the Lord wants us to go fishing for people. There is a whole world out there that's lost. There's a whole world out there that is not only heading to hell, but they're, on, they're in hell. They're already there. You have the key. You have the love. You have the gospel. You have the message. You have the light. You have Jesus. And we have to make sure that we have the desire and the obedient heart to be able to go out and to give what we have to them. You know, uh, Randy was mentioning how on Saturdays they go out and they just go street witnessing, you know, to the people of Almani. And uh, I encourage you, man, if at all possible, if at all possible, come, you know, at 10 o'clock in the morning, they're going to spend a few minutes in prayer. Then they go out on the streets and they invite people. It is the most exciting thing that a person can be involved in. It really is to go street witnessing. You go out to people and God creates divine appointments and you just never know. That might be the, the seed that's planted or watered, or you might see a harvest right in front of your eyes. But there's just nothing like doing what you were created to do. We were created for this. And so we're going to see that even in our study today. And, and so let's start off here in John chapter 21. Look what it says in verse 1. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way, he showed himself. And so after these things, in one sense, it's after the, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In one sense, you could have finished in chapter 20. He could have ended the book, but this is what's called like an epilogue. He adds it to it, an addendum to it. And, and so he says, John says, after these things. Now, not just what Jesus did, but I think what, what Peter did. And, and what did Peter do? Well, Peter had denied the Lord three times. Hey, do you know Jesus? No, I don't know him. Do you know him? No, no, I think you know. No, I don't, I don't know the man. I swear to God, I don't know that guy. He started swearing that he didn't know the Lord. Now, imagine if that were you and you had to live with that. You know, many of us here, myself included, we fail. We fail. After all that God has done, you know, we've fallen, we've failed, we've drifted, we've been distracted. And so it's interesting how John writes, after these things, Peter no doubt was getting hit. 
he was getting socked in the face with condemnation. Man, the guilt from the devil. And so after these things, it's interesting, uh, it says in chapter 1, in verse 1, I'm sorry, chapter 21, verse 1, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. That's also known as the Sea of Galilee. It's so cool you'll be able to see it when you go to Israel with us. And in this way, he showed himself, uh, Simon Peter, um, Thomas, also called the twin, and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were, were together. And so here, John tells us there were seven total, seven fishermen. And so Simon Peter said to them in verse 3, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, well, we're going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Now, it, you know, there's a reason the Bible was written in Greek. You know, there's a reason for that, because the Greek language can be very specific. And we're going to see that today, as a matter of fact, in a few points. Here, in the Greek language, when Peter says he's going fishing, it basically means that he's going uh, to leave the ministry that he's going back to his fishing business. As a matter of fact, Kenneth Weiss, the Greek scholar, he translates it like this. He says, Simon Peter says to them, I'm going off to my former fishing business, breaking my connection. And that's, what Peter was, that's where Peter was right here. Peter was disconnecting. Peter was condemned. Peter was confused. And definitely Peter was at a crossroads in his life. And I don't know if you've ever been there. You know, the enemy comes in and he hits you hard. What in the world are you going to church for? I mean, do you know who you are? Do you know what you've done? You know, and sometimes we're at that crossroads. And I mean, it's so cool, though, to know the Lord will meet you there. The Lord will meet you there. You know, one of the things that we see about Peter is that he was a natural leader. You know, some guys are like that. He, he was so, you know, these guys, I'm going fishing. And so what do the other six apostles do? They join him. And, and they go fishing that day. And it might have been something that they then ended up doing for the rest of their life. When the Lord Jesus Christ had called and commissioned them to fish for men, they decided to fish for fish. Thank God they caught nothing that night, huh? <laughs> I mean, imagine fishing all night long. I mean, seven experienced fishermen. Um, but the cool thing is this. Uh, we're about to see this, you guys. That, 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 that disappointments are God's appointments. We see that. You know, maybe you look at your own life and the reason things aren't going all that well in whatever boat you're in is because God has ministry for you. God has a ministry for you. you know. And, and when you look at life, you have to be careful because there's always going to be a rival. And for Peter, again, I don't know the whole deal. Maybe he wanted to make some money. Maybe he was just about having some good old-fashioned fun because I heard fishing is pretty cool. Um, but we have to know this. Not just pastors, not just leaders. Not just people employed by the church. Every single person who is a part of the church was saved to serve. Somehow, some way. And these guys are going out there. They're having a hard time finding out what their purpose is. 
And so watch what happens. It says in verse 4, But when the morning had now come, they've been fishing all night, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? Uh, Other translations reveal that Jesus knew they weren't doing well. Uh, He basically said, Children, you guys don't got any fish yet. (laughs) You haven't caught anything yet, huh? And they answered, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the bowl and you will find some. And so they they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John the beloved, right? He said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. You know, one of the things about Peter that was so awesome, huh? Impetuous, passionate. I don't have any idea why he put his outer garment on. Uh, one of the guys was saying it's because he wasn't thinking like normal, you know? <laughs> He's usually like that. But he is always, and the Lord likes this. Sometimes you get those people, man, they're just the first ones to dive in. They're so passionate about stuff. And so here's Peter. He, he dives in. He starts swimming. But the other disciples came in the little boat, and again, not to freak you guys out, but when you go to Israel, you actually get to see a 15-foot boat, uh, one exactly like the one Jesus was in, dragging the net with the fish. And then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have caught, just caught. And so then Peter, Simon Peter went up and, and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. What's going on here, you guys? You know, what I think is going on is the disciples were drifting away. You know, they're fishing for my purpose in life. What was I made for? You know, and the Lord had given them a certain direction, but for some reason... You know, and of course, because of the failures, and we're always going to fail, we feel unworthy. Listen, you got to get past that. We will never be worthy. And we will never be able. Never. But by the grace of God, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.10, I am what I am. And then when he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he said, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Not that we abuse grace, but we use it. You know, you're not a second-class citizen because of your failures. God wants you to know that. And so we find what's going on. The disciples are drifting away. They're floating downstream. They're going fishing for purpose, but Jesus goes fishing for them. You know, he had done the same thing with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, You remember that when these two guys, after the resurrection, they were all confused. They didn't know how it was all supposed to add up. And they started heading in the wrong direction. And then it's so cool. Jesus then shows up to them. And, and, you know, this is after the resurrection. He disguises himself kind of. And he's just talking to them. And he's sharing with them. This is the way it's supposed to be. You know, sometimes we go through life and we're like, no, it's not supposed to be this way. And yes, it is. God says it's all part of my plan. I'm going to use it for good. Not that everything isolated in itself is good, but when you put it all together, you watch what happens. See, this is the way the Lord is. Um, 
He's a fisherman. And you want to know what else he is? We read it in John chapter 10. He's a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. And the Bible talks about how in Luke 15, 1 through 7, that, that he'll leave the 99 to go after the one. And, and it's so important for us to know that every single person is precious to him. And you might be here today and you might feel out of place. Like I said, I know we always kind of feel that way sometimes. You know, and you have whatever, special circumstances. No, you don't. The Lord loves you. He's a good shepherd. And he comes after us. You know, the enemy is all about condemnation. But Jesus is about restoration. You can always tell who's speaking to you because when the devil comes in with his condemnation, it pushes you away from God. But when the Holy Spirit comes in with love and conviction, that draws you closer to God. And here in this apologue, it's so cool how Jesus shows up. First, they don't know it's Jesus. You know, maybe they think it's someone interested in buying some fish from their new business. And so at first he asks, yay, you guys don't have any fish, right? You don't got any fish. And then he advises, well, you know, you got to cast over to the right side. And maybe they thought, well, the guy can see from the shore the fish. And so they cast the net on the right side of the boat. But then something happens. Something happens. And I don't like to use the word deja vu, but they had been basically seen this before. Man, the fish is just, I mean, the net is flooded with 153. They're not sardines. They're large fish. And immediately, John, who is sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and they should have all known, but sometimes we find ourselves spiritually dense. Right there, John knows, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And so John tells Peter, hey, it's Jesus, it's the Lord. And then Peter, you know, plunges in and he swims and he goes to Christ. You know, well, Peter doesn't need any further proof. He, he knows this has happened to him before. He dives in. He swims 100 yards to the shore, forgetting the fish, forgetting the fellas. As far as he's concerned, the boat might take too long that in his heart he was longing for the Lord. You know, I'll bet almost anything he recalled how Christ had called him in the beginning of ministry. If you go to Luke 5, I, I kind of want you guys to we'll read this real quick. In Luke chapter 5, So it says in verse 1, so it was as the multitude, this is earlier in Jesus' ministry, who knows, maybe three years ago from what we're reading in John 21, but as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, same lake, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And so if you can visualize, they're there by the shore. There's just a crowd of people, and they're pressing him. He really has nowhere to go until finally he has to back up, and he says, hey, uh, Simon, can I borrow one of your boats? And he gets into the boat, so that gives him a little space. And so he's able to teach the people. And so we read in verse 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've told all night and caught nothing. 
Nevertheless, at your word, I'll, I'll let it down. I'll let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats. Think about that. So that they began to sink. Wow. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at at Jesus' knees. Notice what he said. He said, depart from me. From a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were there, partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. <laughs> From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. And that's how it all started. That's how it all started. And here we are, you know, three years later, and the Lord is back there in the same place with them, and he's still struggling with the same issue. I can't do this. I'm a sinful man. And now the Lord, rather than giving up on him, what does the Lord do? The Lord goes and, and he reaches out. And, you know, if you're here today and you're watching or listening or whatever the case may be, I mean, I, I want you to know this, man, just hopefully so clear. I don't know what God has for you. I don't know the details. But he will not give up on you. He will pursue you. Now, eventually, you're going to have to make a choice. You know, we saw it in the beginning there where Peter, he, he, he left the nets in order to follow Christ. And that's the calling he has on your life. But I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, I pray that you would follow him. You know, some of you guys here, you might be a pastor. You know, God has that calling on your life. And it's beautiful what we're going to read today what God requires of pastors. But, but of course, you know, not everybody. Whatever it is, though, you, that's God's calling. It's just as holy, just as powerful, just as sanctified as any other place in the world. You know, like I was telling you guys about the Dodgers, and I got a little disappointed with them, and pray for me, my heart's broken. But does that, well, you know, there's a part, there's a legalistic part. Some guys get weird and they're like, oh, all sports are bad. You know, all sports are bad. Listen, sports is just another part of the world that we live in. And, um, you know, maybe some guys shouldn't esteem others, make them heroes. I, I think we got to be careful with stuff like that. But, you know, it's just another part of life. In and of itself, it's not bad. I was thinking about this guy, A.C. Green. A.C. Green, he is my favorite Laker. You want to know why? Because that guy was a, this amazing Christian man. He went into the NBA as a virgin. And, you know, he was in the NBA for 16 years. And you know what his prayer, Magic Johnson, you name it, Byron Scott, James Worthy, um, they would send uh, women to his hotel room scantily dressed because they wanted to see him stumble and fall sexually. 
but he never did. I mean, think about this. This is an, a, a professional basketball player with a work ethic that none of us would be able to understand. He was a record for the most consecutive games played. You know, the San Antonio coach, uh, Popovich, he introduced to where guys take days off. Oh, they got a rough game tomorrow. Oh, I'll sit them today. A.C. Green would have nothing to do with that. He said, my dad used to go to work every day. I go to work every day. I mean, the guy was amazing. You know, how many men would be in that position and stay pure? But even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and others would say, you know what, we saw this guy pray. We saw this guy read his Bible, carry his Bible. So the only reason I bring that up is this, that you and I, we all have to find out, Lord, what is it that you've called me to do? Pastor, NBA player, president, doctor, lawyer. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, I pray that we would follow through. Because what we find in that is that, you know, the other things where you're pursuing the other stuff, oh, what's my purpose? It will never satisfy and it will never be successful in God's eyes. And so that's why when the Lord comes back for Peter, and it's clear, this is Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm going to church today, Calvary Chapel Almani, and it's not man. It's Jesus Christ who's reaching out to me. And so Peter dives in, and he starts swimming. All this is rolling through his mind. Back in John You know, Peter had left that life, but now he's going back to that life. Maybe because it was fun, maybe because of the finances, I'm not sure. But I'll bet a large part was because of his failure, but he had denied the Lord three times. Now, I don't want to add to the Bible or read into the text, but since Peter beat the boat back to shore, I was wondering, was it awkward when Peter showed up on the shore right there? Uh, Did he and Jesus embrace? I'm not sure. I know the Lord had already appeared to the apostles twice as a group, and he'd appeared to Peter once alone. That's significant. You read that in Luke 24, 34, and 1 Corinthians 15, 5. So think about that. The Lord had already appeared to Peter one-on-one. So what happened there? I'm sure the Lord spoke the words that needed to be spoken, words that would be sufficient, And you even read in John chapter 20, verse 22, remember it says that Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And he says, as the Father has sent me, he told them. So I send you. So the marching orders were clear, commissioned by Christ. And yet again, here's Peter willing to leave his calling and go fishing for good. You know, thank God Jesus didn't give up on him. Thank God he's not only the God of the second chance, but the third chance, the fifth, the fourth, the fat chance. When everyone else would have given up on him and not given him another chance, here's Jesus with breakfast by the sea. Yet he had some fish on the coals, uh, probably designed to maybe even make Peter think about that time where he was warming himself by, by the enemy's fire. No, but there he just kind of, the Lord sets everything up. Hey, you guys, bring some of the fish. And then we discover how strong Peter is, because in verse 21, he just goes and he single-handedly drags the net close to them, which weighed a lot. It weighed a ton. 
And that's why hi, uh, church history, and we read it here in John, tells us that Peter was probably a, a big dude, man. He's probably strong, kind of like Raymond that came up here right now, you know. <laughs> big dude, man. And that's why it's kind of interesting when you read his letters, he uses the word precious a lot. And you're like, wow, God really softened him, huh? But it's meant when you look at this, you know, the, the large fish, 153. Now, some speculate, why 153 fish? And we're not sure, but some say it because there was 153 different species in the Lake of Galilee. And that would kind of symbolize the fact that God would reach all the people in the world because others will say that at that time there were 153 nations. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if that's true. Because remember, they're symbolic of the way that God would fish for men and from every single tribe and tongue and nation, God would save. And so we read Jesus' instructions there in verse 12. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? And Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And so, no doubt, the best breakfast ever with the resurrected Lord. <laughs> and you, know, you think about it for a second, what a difference Jesus makes. They were just about to row in with nothing, a wasted night. And it probably would have led to a wasted life. But Jesus intervenes with breakfast by the sea. And he cooked for them and he served them. Just like he's going to at the Supper of the Lamb. He's going to serve us. And so it's the third time John mentions, and we know the Bible says repeatedly that the testimony of two or three witnesses, every truth would be established. And so we read that not only were these guys fishing for a purpose, that the Lord fishing for Peter, now he gets specific in verse 15. And so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And so even though the Lord loves all the disciples equally, he needs to deal with Peter personally. Now it's interesting to me how he's called Simon, son of Jonah. That's only found one other time other than this section. That's early on in the Gospel of John. And Jonah, we know Jonah anyways, is the one who was running from his ministry. And so it kind of appears that Peter was doing that. And so the Lord gives him that identification, but then he asks him what we would call the core question of life. And here it is. Do you love me more than these? Yes or no? And a lot of people wonder, well, what are the these? What do you mean, love me more than these? And it's kind of cool that the Lord doesn't really make it very clear. Do you love me more than you love the fish? Do you love me more than you love the fishing? Do you love me more than you love these guys? Or do you love me like you said you did more than these guys do? All of those are possibilities. We don't really know the answer. It doesn't really matter what the specific is. Because at the end of the day, the, the big question is, do you love him more than anyone or anything else? That's all that matters. And that's the key to life. The only way that'll ever happen is, is if you know how much he loves you. 
1 John 4.19, we love him because he first loved us. He died on a cross for me. He bore all my sins for me. He has taken care of me all the days of my life. He loves me. And the, so the, the, the question is, <laughs> do I love him? And I've always told you guys that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. But we also need to know that the matter of the heart is the matter of love. Do I really love God? I mean, you can say you love God. That doesn't mean you necessarily do. And when you think about it, a uh, love for God is the most important thing in ministry. It's the most important thing because everything flows from that. Pastor Chuck said Jesus asked Peter if he loved him supremely because to serve Jesus, we need to love him more than anyone else. We need to ask ourselves, is there anything in our lives more important than our relationship with Jesus? Peter said yes to Christ's question, but the Bible, however, again, uses a different Greek word. The Lord said, hey, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I phileo you. And, and you might wonder, well, that's a bad thing. But I think in all reality that Peter was just being honest. Now, I bet you a lot of you guys were here. If you were honest, you'd be like, yeah, you know what? Um, I need to grow in my love for God. I mean, do I agape God? I don't know if I'm there yet, but man, Lord, I like Psalm 18.1. It says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. Hopefully the day comes where I can honestly say I love him the way that I'm supposed to. How do you know if you love God? Well, you'll obey him. That's what John 14, 21 says. John 14, 23, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Don't be here today and say, you love God and you're going to go against his word. And if you go against his word, don't think that God will bless your life. We got to love him. We have to obey him. And then the Lord says, okay, Peter, and he's going to ask him this three times because he's going to restore him. You know, he then gives them the commands. And this is what he's to do as the leader. Peter, the leader, the shepherd, the pastor. He says, number one, feed my lambs. The word uh, feed is the Greek word basco. And it's used of a shepherd and his sheep to feed, to provide food. It actually comes from a word that means to nourish. And so Peter's job, which is descriptive of a, of a pastor's job, is to feed the flock the word of God. Now, of course, the church would start with the lambs because they'd be new believers, right? The young sheep, the newbies. But that's our responsibility. Sometimes people don't, they don't get it. Like, what is the pastor supposed to do? And, and really, the pastor's job, primary job, if he messes up on this job, then nothing else really matters. The main thing is that he teaches the Bible. He's got to give them the word of God. You know, there's a big difference between refried manna from man and fresh manna from heaven, right? Between the word of God and the word of men, or worse. You know, Amos 8.11, it says, The days are coming that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And so the pastor's job is to labor in the word, to labor on his knees. God, help me to teach the word. Now, some churches, they don't even, they don't even have a, a program established in any way where they would say, let's teach you the Bible. Let me teach you the Bible. It's got nothing to do with the Bible. 
But then some, even though they open up the Bible, they don't really teach the Bible. And that's why we have to make sure we get what God is saying right here. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. I like you. I phileo you. Then make sure you teach my lambs. You feed my lambs the word of God. Now, that was the ministry of Jesus, teaching, preaching, and healing, right? And it's interesting. We're going to see this as we go through here that the, 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 the lambs are not Peter's lambs. They're Jesus' lambs. And the church belongs to who? Jesus. And so he says to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I like you. I phileo you. And he said to him, okay, tend my sheep. And Jesus again asks him, and it probably disturbed Peter a little bit, but he responds again, Lord, you know that I like you, just being honest. And so the Lord then commissions him. Second responsibility of a pastor is to tend his sheep. And the lambs would grow to sheep. And the duty of the shepherd is not only to feed them, but to lead them to green pastures, to lead them to the Lord, and ultimately to lead them to heaven. You know, that's our heart. You know, we love you guys. You don't belong to us. And we don't get possessive of you. We know who you belong to. But we want to do everything we can while we're on our knees and we're opening the Bible and we're praying and we're making decisions. All of it has to do with, Lord, how you are going to lead me in order that they might be with you one day. I don't want them to go to hell. I don't want them to have that type of life on earth. Lord, our desire is that they would have an abundant life. John chapter 10, verse 10. And so we have to feed the lambs and we have to tend to the sheep. Uh, the word right here means to act as a shepherd, uh, to keep the flock. The, the word in the Greek is the word poimano, and the, the word shepherd is as poimen. And so the Lord here gives Peter what he's to do. In verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now this time in the Greek language, Jesus uses the word phileo. Do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. And that, that's where it comes down to, huh? You know, Lord, you know that I phileo you. And then Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. How many times did Peter deny the Lord? Three times. And that's why Jesus asked him three times, not to rub salt into his wound, but in order to give him the complete restoration. One person said this special nod to Peter hints at his full restoration despite his extraordinary breach of faith. Jesus does not give up on his disciples no matter how great their failure or how many their faults. You know, what we find is the Lord here restores Peter to that place of ministry. You know, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And so the Lord goes on in verse 18, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself, walk where you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. You know, real quick, um, Basically, Peter was not obviously 
in that place of mature, deep, unconditional, obedient love. But he was restored. He was restored. And, and he left the fishing and he would go back and be filled with the Spirit and follow the Lord. And it was an, just an amazing story in Peter's life. I think many of us can identify with him because we have failed the Lord frequently. You know, and so there was this time, maybe this is you right now, where you're like, you know what, to be honest, man, I'm not there yet. I'm more like a phileo. You know, we used to look at the fish and the whole context. I'm more like a phileo fish. You know, that's who I am right now, you know. And, 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 but then look at what happens with, with, with Peter. God says, okay, Peter, when you were young, you did whatever you wanted to do. There are people like that. In all reality, you look at their life and there's a season of their life and maybe you're still in that season right now where, you know, you did whatever you wanted to do. I mean, we should never live life that way. Life should basically be, God, give me the marching orders every day and I'm going to go march. But some people, like Peter, they did whatever they wanted to do. But Jesus said, as you grow older, as you get mature, as you get seasoned, as you fall in love with me, as you discover who I am, then another's going to take you and they're going to carry you where you do not wish. And you, Peter, will be nailed to a cross. And what we find happened to Peter it's, it's clear in history is that when, when Nero began to persecute the church, he got Peter, he's going to get crucified, and he has no problem with that. No problem. Because his love had grown from phileo to agape. Oh yeah, that's where it has to go. But when they were about to crucify Peter, his problem wasn't, oh, no, I don't want to do this. You know what he said? He said, I'm not worthy to die like my Lord. And so they crucified him upside down. That's how much the man had grown in his love. But that wasn't yet. It it was in the future. And I think it helps, obviously, you know, when you look at this, you're, you're looking at Peter, and, and we learn lessons. I mean, like I said earlier, not all of us are going to be pastors. But number one, start serving Jesus. You're saved to serve. Number two, be ready to die like Jesus. We all have to carry our cross. But then number three, always follow Jesus. Because that's kind of what we see next in verse 19b. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And then Peter turning around, he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper. Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And, and Peter seeing him said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? You know, he's identifying John. Lord, you know, what about this guy? And Jesus said to him, listen, if I will that he remain till I come, what? Is that to you? You follow me. Then the saying went out among the brethren that the disciples would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? I mean, I think, man, we get so distracted and it just messes us up because we get our eyes on other people. I I promise you, there's no good thing that will result in that. Because it might be you're the best person you can think of on planet Earth. 
but they're just a man. They're just human. They'll fail you. I promise you, we will fail you. And you don't worry about, well, they're getting away with that, and they're doing this, and what about that one over there and that church? And no, we don't do that. The Lord said, don't worry about him. What? That's, that's none of your business. He said, you, you follow me. That's the simplicity of being a Christian. Isn't it cool? Isn't that, that's how it started. Remember when the guys were there? Hey, follow me, follow me, follow me. Even though they wouldn't be there physically, it's still the same. We can't see Jesus physically, but we're still doing the same thing. We're following him. And so, you know, we close fishing for purpose. That's what they were trying to do in the wrong place. But then the Lord goes fishing for them, fishing for people. Peter, and then we close in verse 24 as we just have this heart that that John had. Look what it says in verse 24. This is a disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. That's the key. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. You know, I mean, think about it. For every single life that's here, I was thinking about it, or doing worship, for every single life right here, there's a book. All of your lives, all the signs, all the miracles, all the things that the Lord has done. And so he closes the, the, the book by just saying, this is true. And so go out and let's fish for people. Let's ask God how he can use our life. You know, we have a slight advantage because we have God on our side, we have God on the inside, and we have truth on our side. And as God begins to work and people get saved, you watch what happens. And so, Lord, I thank you so much for the way that you are the God who restores. I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here today, Lord, and I know many of your, your people here, they're doing pretty good. They're, they're following you. They're tracking. Um, but, Lord, I pray especially for someone here today who maybe they have drifted away or maybe they've been kind of going out on their own purpose and that you have a calling on their life. You have a ministry for them to be involved in, Lord. I pray that today, it's something I, I know that the Holy Spirit can share, that, Lord, they would respond, that they would listen. So thank you again, Father, for your word. I pray that you bless your people. And give us wisdom, Lord. Give us eyes to evangelize. How can we go out and learn as we study this amazing book and take it to the ends of the earth? So bless your people, love you, and thank you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name.